privilege of gathering in your presence to worship you. To be taught of your word. We thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of God in our lives. We thank you for the ministry of the Word of God in our lives. We thank you, dear Father, for truth that is being revealed and how that the Spirit of God through your word is leading us into the reality of life in your kingdom teaching us how to serve you teaching us how to walk with you in this world We are grateful. We are grateful that His Spirit prevails over us and that the will of God be done on earth, be done in our lives as it is in heaven. We bless you, Lord. Even for the enlightenment that comes through your word. The psalmist says, Thy word is light. And the entrance of that word gives understanding. And we thank you for understanding. We thank you for lighting our path. That we may not grope in the dark. We thank you for enlightening the areas of our lives which are dark. Thank you, Father. Now ask that your hand remain upon us. Strong. Revealing the purposes and plans of God upon the individuals listening to your word. I ask that you open our ears, you open our hearts, that the word of God may have free cause, may be glorified in us and I in it. Bless you, Father. Bless you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, good evening again. I hope everyone is doing well. We really couldn't manage to properly give outlines and really guidelines 
for how you should approach your personal prayer and fasting program. And I thought that I should use this setting here to help you prepare and effectively engage in this program and I think it is important that we have correct understanding of what is expected of us and how we should carry it out especially when it comes to areas of spiritual matters because I realize that the failure in the experience of results in what we do mainly really doesn't come from our lack of sufficient participation in that particular activity, but rather in the understanding of how and what should be done within that specific activity. And there are rules, there are laws, there are principles in the Word of God that if we should follow thoroughly, we would have the results that are consistent with what the Word of God says. Because the truth of the matter is, the Word of God does not fail. Human beings do, but the Word of God does not fail. God can never be wrong. He can never be wrong. So if he says something in his word and it is expected that that thing should be done or engaged in in a particular way, failure to do so would not guarantee the results you are seeking in doing that particular thing. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And this is the dilemma that we have because we don't take the time to really find out what the Word of God says and what it covers concerning the particular subject that is of interest to us. So we end up doing ignorantly, yet expecting results. And it ought not to be so. Because ignorance is not a common uh, 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 ground for 
God overlooking and blessing you. Many times ignorance is the limitation of the blessing of God. So the blessings of God do not flow as they should because of the limitation that is caused by our ignorance. So we need to prioritize excellency and accuracy in how we approach spiritual matters. There has to be excellence and accuracy in the application of spiritual matters. If if you write an exam and you don't apply yourself in studying the contents and the body of knowledge presented to you over that period of the entire year, when it comes to those exams, it does not matter whether or not you are present. It doesn't matter whether or not you are writing those exams. It's not your presence that determines the outcome. It's what you do when you're present. So being there is, is part of the process leading to the outcome, but it does not determine the outcome because you can be there early, <laughs> earlier than everybody, but because throughout the year you have not applied yourself to learning and acquiring the knowledge, you're going to fail. Because you don't pass on the merit of whether or not you are early. You pass on the merit of whether or not you have proven your understanding of the information that has been passed down to you. And it is no different when it comes to matters of the spirit. It really doesn't matter if you pray. It really doesn't matter if you attend a prayer service. It really doesn't matter if you, you, you fast. The truth of the matter is what is going to determine the outcome or the result of that activity is not whether or not you are doing it, but whether or not you are doing it accurately, whether or not you are doing it rightly. That's what determines the outcome. And that's why many people give up because they expect results in inaccuracy. It don't work. So it, it, it would be more commendable that one seek out understanding and knowledge of the particular activity that they are to engage in. There are people who have been praying for years but have no results to show for it. There are people who have been tithing and giving People who have been fasting for years, but there are no results to show for it. Yet, all those things produces tremendous power if they are done according to the principles laid for us in the Word of God. So, there are fundamental principles, fundamental laws in, in matters of prayer and, and especially fasting that I want to outline to you to help you understand because some of you think 
that fasting is not eating. Spiritual fasting is different from food abstinence. And some of you engage in food abstinence with the label of fasting. And then when the results are not foreshowing, you wonder, but I fasted. No, you did not fast. You just abstained from food because you did not understand what spiritual fasting entails, it meant and is required of you to successfully engage and thus reap the results. And it's important. It's very important. So I want us to look at certain things in the Bible and I will try by all means to aid you in engaging spiritual matters with understanding. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Are we there? Praise the Lord. I want you to read me from verse 5. Okay. It reads thus. He says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But without faith, without it, he says, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to solicit pleasure from God because he who comes to God, he who comes to God must believe that he is. He who, he, he who comes to God. That means there is a possibility that one may come to God without faith. And the scripture is admonishing us to be weary of that disposition because the one who comes to God must believe. So, so the basis, the first basis 
for approaching God in any matter is that you must believe. You must believe that God is. You must believe that he is. In other words, your faith in who God is should be unshakable. And that to approach him in any lesser state is displeasure to God. So God says, you must believe that he is. And secondly, you have to believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. You have to believe. It would be useless for you to approach God without having a sure conviction of his ability as God to reward you for seeking him. So those who never receive from God, those who never are rewarded from God, are those who always approach God without faith, without the belief of who he is and his ability to reward. So the first law of the spirit in approaching God is belief. That if you're going to approach God in any activity, in prayer, in fasting, uh, uh, in giving, in offerings, in serving Him, there has to be an internal assurance, conviction that exists within you, independent of the influence or opinion of those around you, that God is and that he is a rewarder, excuse me, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the expectation you should always have in approaching God is that there is a reward for seeking him. And that is a reward, the Bible tells us, that you must expect. So there is a reward that you must expect for praying. There is a reward that you must expect from God for fasting. In other words, you cannot fast or pray without there being proof, validating proof of the activity of the faith in approaching God. So what if there is no reward? What if there is no uh, 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 outcome, result, desired result from that activity. It means that there was no faith. Because God inherently is a rewarder. So you cannot go to God and seek Him diligently and he not reward you for that feat. So the problem we have is that we have many people who assume to seek God and have no result. 
and the lack of results come from the missing link, which is belief. So faith is the first principle of approaching God with the expectation of receiving from Him. So effectiveness in, in, in prayer, effectiveness in fasting will first be revealed in your faith and in your belief in the ability of God and in this reality. It is important. Let's read Matthew chapter 6. I think I taught you on these three principles, right? Let's read Matthew chapter 6. We will read from verse 5. And it reads thus. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Meaning, you can be hypocritical in prayer. You can be hypocritical in prayer. Do you understand that? What does that mean? It means to be an actor or to act under an assumed character. You know, like when Denzel Washington plays a character in a movie. That's what being a hypocrite means. That means you can act in prayer. You can be a hypocrite in prayer. You can be someone that you are not in prayer. Right? When you're talking to me, you can be like, Hello, Pastor. How are you, Pastor? You know, Pastor, you're great. Oh, you know, Pastor, what a great day. God is good. Right? And then in prayer, you can be somebody totally different. Oh God, oh Lord, all of a sudden the voices change. But when you are, when you're on your own, you are yourself. But when you come before God, you are someone else. You have a different character. Hypocritical, right? He says, you shall not be like the hypocrites. So don't act in prayer. Don't, don't throw a show in prayer. You see, that is, that is, that is really what causes a, a fault, a fault line in your prayer journey. When you, when you become hypocritical, God does not care about all that acting, all that charade. He don't care all those things. So he says, the hypocrites, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. As shortly I say to you, they have their reward. That means 
if you are hypocritical in prayer, if you pray for men's eyes, pray for men's attention, pray because you want people to hear you that you can pray. He said, that is your reward. That means you can pray 10 hours at the top of your lung and you have your reward when you, when, when you, when you finish that activity, when you finish that exercise, you would have your reward. There would be nothing that will come from why? Because you were hypocritical. And God rejects that. Because it was not you praying. You were in character. So don't be who you are not before God. He does not like that. He does not appreciate that. So he says, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret, God sees in secret, will reward you openly. Then he says, and when you pray, do not use empty repetitions as the heathens do because they think they will be heard for there are many words. You see, don't think you are heard because of the expense of your vocabulary. God doesn't hear you because you can speak well. God does not hear you because you can speak well. The basis of answered prayer does not come from whether or not you can speak English well. So he says, don't use vain repetitions of words. Murimuntate, you're good. Murimuntate, you're good. Murimuntate, you're good. Got a record player in a link scratch. God don't like that. Because you are imposing yourself. God has heard you the very first time you prayed. So you're like, Murimuntate, rarapel, rarapelantate, rarapelantate. Oh God, we praise you. Oh God, uh uh. God does not hear you because you say one thing ten times. That's not, that's not what, what, what uh, uh, determines whether or not God hears you. Hallelujah. So, let's, let's look at verse 16, please. And then I, I, I want to touch on fasting a bit. He says, moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. See, again, you can fast hypocritically. <laughs> do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. Yeah, with a sad count where where your face is your face looks spiritual. 
<laughs> yeah, how are you? Yeah. So I want to move up. I constipated the toilet. Not wooey. No, he said, don't be, don't be like that. He says, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to man to be fasting. Did you see that? Fasting has nothing to do with man. Fasting has not, spiritual fasting has nothing to do with man. In other words, they don't need, nobody needs to know that you are fasting. But you know them. When they are fasting, they broadcast it to everyone. You know I'm fasting. You know I'm fasting. You know I'm fasting. As if it's like a spiritual status. You are a hypocrite. That is your reward. Your reward would be that you are fasting. Because he says, fasting is a personal matter. Between the one who is fasting and God. He said, I surely I say to you, they have their reward. He says, but you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. In other words, let it be like other days. So people don't need to know that you are fasting. The principle behind this is that fasting is personal. That the reason why you fast has to do with an objective that you need to be met. And that that objective has nothing to do with people knowing. So he says, wash your face, anoint your head. Why? So that you do not appear to man to be fasting. Do you see that? So that you do not appear to, to man. That is the first law, the first rule that Jesus gives us in, in the law of fasting. He says, do not appear to man to be fasting. That means fasting is something that is to be done in the secret place. It's something that is to be done in secret. If you are fasting in public, you, you are not yielding and fulfilling the purpose behind that fast. Because fasting is not a public matter. It is a private matter. Both, both in what? Both in appearance and in activity. So the mysteries and the blessings that are, are in accord with fasting are found in the secret place. So in him saying, do not appear to be to men to be fasting has two connotations. It means that you are, when you are fasting, don't appear to men. Because you are fasting to God. You are fasting to set your face before God, not before man. But the problem is that many people, modern, in, in, in our modern Christianity, they fast to be seen. So when they are fasting, they are out. But Jesus is saying, when you're fasting, you must not be in appearance. When you fast, he says, fast before your father. Fast to your father, not to men. 
yeah, no, 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 I'm fasting, you know. I'm fasting. No. No. He says, fast to your father. So fasting is toward God. Fasting has to do with what? With the abandonment of daily activity for the purpose of appearing before God. So when you fast and your objective in fasting is overpowered by your constant desire and appetite, you are not you are not fasting. What you are doing is not fasting because when you are fasting, the reason why you are you are taking time away from food and other things, abstaining from other things is so that you can set your face before the Lord. But now when you are fasting and your mind is thinking about oh, I'm not eating. Oh, I'm not eating. You are not what you're doing is not fasting. What you're doing is hypocritical. Because that is the reason that you are fasting. You are fasting so that you can what? You can, you can abase your appetites. The appetites in you that derail you and keep you away from appearing before the Father. That's why you are doing it. So when one fasts and then all, all he does is think about food, what he's going to drink, what he's going to... You're not fasting. You're not abstaining from food. What you are doing is that you are trying, you are trying to show us or show people or even lie to yourself that at least you stayed away from food. But what is the use to stay away from food if the reason for staying away from food is not met? Why did you fast? And it is the purpose behind that exercise and activity that should push you and be stronger than your desire for food. So when, when, when your desire for food is stronger than your purpose for fasting, your fasting will never yield results. But when your desire for fasting is stronger than your desire for food, that will yield result. So the lack of focus that comes from fasting is a sign that you are not doing it the right way. It's what you are doing is not right. When Moses was on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water, did he think about food and water? When Jesus was on was on was in the deserts for 40 days and 40 nights fasting, do you think he thought about food? The Bible says it was after the fast that he became hungry. That means his consciousness was buried in another dimension. And he was not conscious of his necessity for food, for his need for food. And that's where true fasting comes from. It comes from the fact that you are pushed into a place in God where you desires or where your desires for food and other things take a back seat for your desire and purpose in seeking God. So you fast to appear to God. You fast to the Father. You fast toward God. That means the goal in fasting is to make sure that your consciousness is enraptured more in God than in other things. 
And that's why when men fasted, they would go into solitary places, far away from people, far away from civilization, so that they can be to, to God and appear to God. And that's what makes fasting effective. But when you are fasting and you are thinking about your juices, you're thinking about your, 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 your fruit, you're thinking about all those things, don't fast. Don't fast because your mind is distracted for, from the purpose for which you are doing this thing. Why are you doing this thing? People say, no, I'm fasting. And then, and then you find them drink cold drink. You find them drink, you're not fasting. You're, that's not fasting. Because when you fast, you must abstain from the normal ordinances of daily activity. That means you'll miss your breakfast, you'll miss your lunch, you'll miss your dinner. And everything, your snack. <laughs> you see, this is one of the reasons why our fastings have no power, have no efficacy. Is not effective. And the rewards aren't for showing. Because when you fast, there are to be rewards. It's a spiritual engagement. It's a spiritual exercise that you do for the purpose of seeking God for a particular purpose or an objective that you need met. But then when you fast and your consciousness is not abased to those things, you are fasting not toward God, not to God, not to your father, but to other things. That's why he said, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door. When you fast, do not appear before men. <laughs> it's, it's right there, my brothers, my sisters. It's, it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. It's always been there. The only issue is that we've, we've tried to modernize Christianity. Yet the principles of the Spirit of God are, are, are ancient and they are timeless. So if you want results in fasting, number one, you have to determine your objective for fasting. You have to know why you're fasting. And that's one of the reasons why, apart from the doctrine of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus on fasting, there's no way in the New Testament where fasting is given as an instruction to the, to the brethren. There's no way. Yet those, those, those apostles themselves fasted but they never told the brethren to fast. Because fasting is objective-based. It is purpose-driven. The thing that makes a man fast two days, three days, four days, has to do with the degree of the matter that is pressing him. 
The thing that makes a man go without food for a protracted period of time is so that he could strip himself of the weights of this world and traverse the realms of the spirit to discover and, 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 and extract from God, receive from God the thing which he is praying for. So when you are serious about what you want from God, you will be serious about staying away from food. <laughs> you see, you will be serious from, from staying away from food. Because Jesus said there are other matters in life that require fasting and prayer. Like when God's word in your life is supposed to be fulfilled, but is not fulfilled. It's time to fast. When you are receiving, you, 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 you are receiving attacks from all sides, it's time to fast. When you need questions answered that human beings can answer, it's time to fast. When you need revelations, guidance, enlightenment, direction from God, it's time to fast. It's time to withdraw from civilization. When, when promotion has been long overdue in your life, when you've been accused unfairly, when judgment is upon you or upon the things that concern you, it's time to fast. And the desire for those things to be answered, the desire for those things, those changes to be forthcoming must override your need for food. It must override your need for food. Why do we fast? And then we complain when we feel weak and hungry. Hey, it's fasting. You're supposed to be weak. You're supposed to be hungry. You're supposed to be thirsty. You're supposed, you're supposed, you're supposed to be deprived of those things that you have every single day. That's why you are doing it. Because you have a need that is greater than your need for the food or whatever it is. And that's why fasting does not only cover food. Food is the first place where we go, but it doesn't only cover food. It, it can cover your phone. It can cover your work. It can cover... It means to abstain, withdraw, go away from those things that you would normally do. Now, you say you are fasting and you still play video games. You say you are fasting. You, you are a joker. You say you are fasting and, and you still do the normal things that you do every day. That's all fasting. You can't fast and spend an hour in prayer. No. No. That's not how you get results. The you, your prayer must be, must be extra. Must be more out of the ordinary. You can't fast and pray like you pray every day. You can't fast like you read the Bible every day. No. 
No, the reason why you fast is so that you can give time. You can give yourself to prayer. You can give yourself to all these things. Until you are ready to do that, don't fast. But sure enough, if you want results in the spirit, if you want results from God, things have to be done in a certain way. You can't be drinking Coca-Cola and say you are fasting. You can't be eating. Uh, you can't be eating Fritos or you can't be eating, uh, you know, uh, cereals, and say you are fasting. You are not fasting. That's not what you're doing. You, you, and I don't know what you're doing, but you're playing games. Can't say you're fasting and you're spending 30 minutes in prayer, one hour in prayer. No, no. Remember why you said you're going to abstain from food and let that objective keep you and sustain you throughout the fast. Number two, I have to be quick now because some of you, boom, let me burn. <laughs> Number two. There are, there are two ways or two types of fasting. There is the day fast and there is the day and night fast. The day fast begins from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., which is 12 hours. Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? The day and night fast is 24 hours. That means it covers day and night. It covers the 12 hours of the day and the 12 hours of the night. Right? So, it is you that determine, you determine, oh God, uh, if you're under instruction, when God says fast three days, what God is telling you that you must fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Because if God is going to tell you to fast three days and three nights, he's going to tell you that. So make sure you have the correct understanding. That means you go without food for an entire day and that would be regarded as one fasted day but if you go day and night that would mean that it is that's why the bible was specific when the bible says and jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights the bible never said jesus fasted 40 days it's 40 days and 40 nights that means it was 24-hour cycles. He covered, he covered the hours in the day and the hours in the night. So that means you can, you can fast daily from the rise of the sun to the setting down and that would be regarded as fasting. That's what King Darius did. The Bible says he fasted from, from, dawn, from twilight till dawn for Daniel. That's what Ahab did after he killed uh, Nahor. He fasted, the Bible says, the entire day and God recanted his judgment on his life. And he took it to the next generation. So you, you, you have to have the right approach. 
That's what I'm trying to get at here. You've got to have the right approach in doing your fasting. Like for instance, if you have a prophetic word, you say, I'm going to fast to God concerning the acceleration and manifestation of this prophetic word. And that means that for the duration of that fast, you will spend the majority of the time engaging in that matter. You will be engaging in what? In supplicating before God for the purpose of that prophetic word to be accelerated or fulfilled in your life. That means for that day, the duration of that day, you will be engaging in prayer, in reading the word, in doing things that promote your objective. So if... If, if you choose to fast on a work day, that means you must make sure that throughout the entirety of the day, you are consumed. You are consumed in the thing that you want results and rewards for. But don't just be abstract. Don't just fast without a purpose. Don't just fast without an objective. That is not fasting. That is food starvation. That is, I don't know what it is, but it's not spiritual fasting. Spiritual fasting always comes attached with it, a purpose, an objective. And that objective, you must stay with it. You, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. You must stay with it until, until there's a release of the Spirit of God. And there you will begin to see rewards. You will begin to see results in your life. You will begin to see things break in your life. You will begin to see strongholds break. You will begin to enter into new anointings. You will begin to enter into new graces. You begin to see favor in your life. The blessings of God will begin to flow. Answers will come forth speedily. Revelations and ministries from the angelic dimensions of God will begin to show forth because you are doing it the right way. You don't show up to an exam and think that you're going to pass because